Combo Nation, happy Friday. We're back. Oh, wait. We never left. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 252 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Pause this episode. Go rate and review the show. Really appreciate it. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Today's show, Joe Lenardi, ESPN Bracketologist, returns to Combo's Court to talk about his book, Bracketology, 2021 March Madness, and more. Just a fantastic conversation with Joe. It was really great having him on the show. You could find Joe on Twitter at Lenardi ESPN. That's L-U-N-A-R-D-I-E-S-P-N. You know you could find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Also, we haven't done this in a while. I'm going to start this back up. You could become a Combo's Court Patreon member. You could support the show. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Uh, go check that out if you'd like to support the podcast. And man, enjoy the show. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Lenardi, ESPN Bracketologist. Welcome back to Combo's Court, man. How you been? I'm doing great. We made it through the season somehow. We did. We did. It's been great. The book is out. It's released. It's out in the world. Tell me how you feel, Joe. How do you feel, man? The book is out. Uh, I, I, I feel like the same way I do kind of at this point every season, every tournament. Like I'm pretty much done now. Okay. Uh, you know, in, in a way, my work pretty much ends when the tournament starts. Right. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, I still have some ESPN.com assignments, but I'm primarily done on camera. And I, I always feel this combination of kind of exhilaration at at getting there and hopefully doing, you know, a, a good job of it. And and some exhaustion. Like, it's it's a physical grind. To, to, you know, this sounds like heresy, like to do anything for 16 or 18 hours a day for, you know, like a six week sprint. I'm not, I'm not asking for sympathy 1%. Like I'm watching and tracking and evaluating basketball teams, right? Like this is not a life hardship. (laughs) Right, right, right. By any, by any measure. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm not 26 anymore and I get tired, uh, and it feels good to stop. It feels good to exhale. It feels good to just kind of have relaxing conversations as opposed to somebody in my ear, you know, give us the top four seeds in 45 seconds, Woo! you know, and then boom, 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 yeah, right. you know, have to be on, on your game. Right. Like I'm, I'm sure you know, I'm not even remotely suggesting the same level of talent, but like I'm sure like even Tom Brady probably likes to take a little time off, you know, yeah. after winning another Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, that's. So, that's yeah, how I feel like exhale and try to live a normal life for a while. 
so it's like a double exhale because you have the book and then you had, you know, what you're doing with ESPN. Right. So, so it's, it's, it's a double exhale, man. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the book was done, essentially done back before the season started. Uh, and then through like maybe early January, we, we had a proof one last round of it. Uh, but, but certainly the promotional work and the appearances that have gone in to you know getting the word out this month of march were an added you know level of commitments uh but then by the same token i wasn't traveling anywhere this march the bunker uh, was set right. in one place i wasn't yeah going so that means you could actually do more tv hits in a shorter amount of time right in a way yes yes i just couldn't do them from the studio right uh, i did them right here at yeah. you know at home so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that mix is a year from now, because right. I'm sure there'll be some return to the old way, but maybe not entirely. Most definitely. Tell me about your first TV hit ever, how that come about and how it evolved to what it is today. Well, I remember it. My, my first ESPN TV hit uh, was in February of 2002. So 20, 19, 20 seasons ago, uh, ESPN News, that channel was relatively new, and they were running basically 24-7 Sports Center. Wow. At a smaller scale. Right. And, you know, I, I, I was in my office in Philly doing my regular day job thing, and they're like, can you get to a place called Video Link, which was an uplink facility in center city, Philadelphia. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I mean, you know, I have some verbal skills. Like I wasn't like completely unprepared. Right. Right. I, I got in a room that was, you know, like maybe half the size of a rec room and with just a camera in front of me and these bright lights, no return monitor, no feed for me to see, what was coming back the other way, just an earpiece. Right. And the producer in my ear basically saying, you know, so-and-so is going to ask you about the, the, your, your, your number one seeds. And when you hear music, that means we're showing B-roll of those teams. And that's when you start talking. Okay. And all right. So here comes the question about one seeds. That year, Duke and Maryland were both one seeds out of the ACC. Maryland was still in the ACC. And I started, you know, the producer just went Duke in my ear and the music started. So I thought, okay, <laughs> Duke must be on the screen. Uh, wow. wow. So I started great. talking about, and then, <laughs> I don't know, 20 seconds later, Maryland. So I started talking about Maryland. And then I don't remember what came after that. Yeah. Guess I didn't embarrass myself that much because they asked me to come the next. You're Friday. still here, Joe. You're still here. Starting the next, right? Exactly. You're still here. All right. I, I definitely want to get to some current March Madness 2021 20, thoughts, but before then, um, we have to let everyone know exactly what it is that you do because I think a lot of times they might think I could be wrong that you're giving your opinion on what mm -hmm. you think should be happening, but you're not doing that, right? You're not doing that. You're almost a mind reader for the committee. 
Yeah. I mean, if I could read minds, then I'd never get any wrong. But <laughs> right. Uh, you're, you're right. You're exactly right. And like, I think of it this way. There are hundreds of other analysts in college basketball on every network who are perfectly and acceptably giving you their opinions about who's better and who isn't about who should be in and who isn't about who the top seed should be and who shouldn't be right. They're essentially saying what the committee should do. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And exactly. My job is fractionally different. Like if it were a Venn diagram, there would be like an overlap, but my job isn't to tell people what I think they should do, but what given this year's set of teams, what they will do based upon how they've approached it in the past. Right. Like I'm doing, you know, like you say, I have the, the science part. I have all the numbers and I'm crunching them the same way the committee does. But I'm also trying to combine the art with the science and say, you know, look, these aren't machines voting on teams and ranking the teams and seeding them and bracketing them. These are people of, from different parts of the country with different probably biases that they bring to the room. And, you know, their job and ergo mine as someone replicating that process is to kind of do your best to, to, to check your ego, check your bias at the door. Yeah. And sit down and be an umpire. Uh, and that's not always easy because just like them, I'm human too. I have teams and schools and coaches and players that I like maybe more than some that I like less. Yeah. And somehow I have to keep that out of it to the greatest extent possible. And, and I know enough from my own track record over the, over the years that it's almost without fail that when I'm unable to separate my personal preferences is when I make the bigger mistakes. It's like clockwork. Like, like, and I'll go back at the end of the year and say, all right, where was I way off or were they way off? And most of the time, you know, like anything in life, the truth is kind of in the middle. Right. right? And, And I can go, well, I can see what they were looking at there, but I can also see that my position was not unreasonable. Right. Every once in a while I'll go, man, I really didn't see that. I screwed that up. Yeah. And, and every once in a while, so do they. And I try to honestly tell the difference. Like, it's not always me going, yeah, they screwed up. They screwed up. They screwed up. You ever get word from the committee? Oh, all the time. Oh, (laughs) after the fact. Right, right, right. Like in a typical year, I would have gone to, to tournament games. Right, right. Seen members of the committee. Oh, man, yeah. And, you know, there have been some uh, ideas exchanged over the years after the fact. And generally speaking, they're trying to get me to exchange my ideas for theirs. Uh, 
And I, I think the late, I want to say 2016, that's five years ago now, like the last time I thought they just really kicked one. Like yeah. they were wrong, in my opinion, that year in putting, I, I, I can remember the numbers clear state, Tulsa in the field over St. Bonaventure. Like no one will convince me till my dying day that they got it right. Right. Okay. And, and there was a year that I put Temple in instead of Indiana and I was dead wrong. Okay. And you, and, could, and you could, and you could look back and admit it. And I can look back and admit it. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. And part of it was because Philly guy, I like Temple. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I had some run-ins with Indiana. Yeah. And it was, I, I wasn't able to, for whatever reason that year, I wasn't able to separate. Right. Okay. Well, uh, you know, 68 choices times 68 seedings times 68 pieces of bracketing. That's 180. That's like almost 200 decisions that they're making and I'm making trying to correspond. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm not going to like, like, flog myself because i kick a call once in a while the same way a, a referee kicks a block charge at the end of the game like 100%. it happened we're all human it happens, it happens. We're all human yeah yeah let's take it to march madness 2021 joe how surprised are you by oral roberts man is this the most surprising thing that happened in march madness well the fact that they're still playing for sure right uh, i i did pick them to beat ohio state in my public bracket Okay. I will. Wow. Strut my stuff a little bit. on that. <laughs> uh, I, I had had the opportunity to see them a few times during the season. I worked a few of their games from, from home, not on air, but you know, graphic stuff behind the camera or off camera. And I, you know, they had the leading score in the country and I, 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 I thought that they could play up. Yeah. In terms of level of ability. And I thought Ohio state in that particular matchup, could be exposed a little bit and that Ohio state had overachieved relative to its roster, which is not a, is, is not a dig. It's a compliment. Yeah. Like they, they, they kept up with the Illinois, Michigan's and I was in the big 10 this year, but I, I don't think comparable talent that they're on par with those other three. So that's to their credit. Right. But it also means maybe the gap between the two and the 15 true talent wasn't what, what those numbers would normally signify. And in, and in college basketball with top-end talent taking alternative routes, do you feel that that's going to be a thing going forward that we'll see a lot? I, I don't think we're going to see it more. I think we always see it a lot. Okay, okay. I think we saw it a little more in this tournament, but, I mean, like, there are Oral Roberts – Every year. Now, maybe yeah. not a 15 in the sweet 15, but like there's always an Abilene or a North Texas. There is. Yeah. You just gotta, you just gotta pick them. Yeah. And then have the courage of your convictions to stick your neck out. Yeah. And I will admit my, my neck was out pretty far on this. <laughs> Most definitely. Mark few wrote the forward to your book and uh, we've seen Gonzaga go from Cinderella to Goliath. Do mm -hmm. you see Loyola on the same trajectory? No, they're never going to be Goliath. Okay. Uh, in, 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 
Well, I mean, some might have said the same about Gonzaga 20 years ago also. Right. right. But, you, you know, what has Gonzaga's formula been? Number one, they kept the architect. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. Because without that, it, it doesn't get to this level. And, and I don't just mean on the, like, I don't just mean Mark Few. I mean, the athletic director has been the same as well. My John, John Stockton's a huge influence there too. Yeah. And, and even though they've had two or three different presidents of the school in this period of time, all were aligned around the idea of using men's basketball to market the institution as an academic yeah. enterprise. Okay. So all those legs of the stool have to be in place and, you know, they've had to outspend their peers in salaries and facilities and, you know, travel and nutrition and training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, international recruiting in order to uh, stay at that level. And they're in a part of the country where there are fewer schools competing for top players. Yes, they compete with the Pac-12, and that's a big deal for players. But where Loyola is, they're competing with the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big 12. Like, they're competing with a lot more fish in their pond. If, if you will. And, you know, maybe they keep Porter Moser for 25 years. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe that's, they, build. That, that's the question. That's the maybe question. They, maybe they fill and build or build and fill a 10,000 seat arena and become the biggest game in town. But like at no point in their town is Loyola going to be bigger than the bears bigger than the Cubs, bigger than the Bulls, or for that matter, bigger than the team they just beat in Illinois. Yeah. Uh, be, be, because of the location. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not betting on, like everybody talks about being the next Gonzaga. Well, it's been 20 years and we don't have the next Gonzaga. So That's what true. makes a reasonable person think we're going to get it tomorrow? Right, right. Um, you mentioned the conference, and here's the question, Joe. What happened to the Big Ten? Bad luck. Yeah. One and done. You know, did, did they underperform in the tournament? Absolutely. Uh, so did the Big 12. So, so did, I mean, Nate, 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 name your, your favorite league. Uh, but, like, uh, the, the blanket statement of the Big Ten or the Big 12 is inferior in basketball to the Pac-12 is just silly. Like the Big 12 sent 70% of its teams to the NCAA tournament. The Big Ten sent 65% of its teams to the NCAA tournament. The Pac-12 sent a third of its teams to the NCAA tournament. And those have been the ratios for like a decade. Right. So the fact that in this one little sample, the ratios got screwy, I think is, you know, just the one and done nature of, 
of the tournament. Joe, yeah. Joe, what matchup in the Sweet 16 are you looking forward to most? I think I'm looking forward to uh, Florida State, Michigan. You know, I really like Scotty Barnes as an NBA prospect. It's going to be interesting to see what Jawan Howard could do and if he could win a championship as a yep. coach. Uh, yep. What's What do you feel is the most interesting matchup coming up? Uh, I have my eye on Baylor Villanova. Okay. I mean, I have my eye on all of them. Right, right. Them, right. Right. So, of course, we're, you know, it's easier to keep them all in your head than a week ago. Definitely. Uh, you know, but, you know, I'm in the Philadelphia area. I'm around uh, it's just a nauseating number of Villanova fans uh, being a St. Joe's guy. And <laughs> while, while I both, it always got, it always comes back to the Philly roots, Joe. It always no, gets, but it, like it, I both marveled and been dismayed at their incredible success. Like what they've done in this modern era for a non-major college football school is extraordinary. Yeah. For sure. Like, like there for was sure. a five, like forget the two championships and all the one seeds. Like there was a five year run. They didn't lose back to back games. Like 150 games. More than that. They didn't lose like 107. They didn't lose back to back. Like yeah. that's not human. It's true. it's true. And now they're playing without their most important player and they're still in the Sweet 16. So my heart is saying, yeah, they're going to keep it going. My head is saying they got a little bit of a break in being able to play a 12 and a 13 to get where they are. And that Baylor's going to be a big time wake up call. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm torn in what I want to happen, but it's compelling for me to watch either way. From what I'm hearing, you had Baylor before the season started, right? I did. Why so? And has that changed? Uh, I, I picked ba- I picked Baylor over the Zags at the start of the year. Okay. In the final. Uh, and then for reasons I can't completely explain, I flipped <laughs> them before the tournament. Oh, really? Be, be, because, like, I thought Gonzaga was going to be very, very good. Right. I didn't know they were going to be historically good. Right. Like, like we're talking in, in, from a metric standpoint – like for for any number one overall seed to be six points better than the next best team on a neutral court by analytics is a huge number. It's true. Now it's true. that doesn't mean that Gonzaga wins the last game. Like if they play Baylor in a best of seven neutral court, it would probably go six or seven. Right. Yeah. I think most would agree with that. I think so too. Yep. Uh but but Gonzaga's better than I thought they would be. And and Baylor's exactly what I thought they would be. They're just really, really good and balanced. But I think Gonzaga is elite. Yeah. Uh, plus, by flipping the picks, now I have a chance to be wrong twice instead of once. And, oh, you know, man. Enjoy that. It's, uh, it's been great. It's been great this March Madness. Like, honestly, there's been so many great games. No doubt. Where, where would you rank this March Madness so far in terms of great March Madness? I mean, I, it, it's so great because, you know, you missed it. We missed it last year. Well, and I think that adds to the allure, right? Right. Um, but even with that, like, you just go down the list. At least one of every seed has won except yep. the 16. Well, that's yes. never happened. 
Like we have a 15 still playing and we had a 14 at one and a 13 at one. And we have a 12 still playing and a two 11 still playing. I mean, this is extraordinary. And the number one seed that isn't playing was the one Illinois that was second, the second most picked team to win it all. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, they weren't even close to winning their game with Loyola. Like they were clearly not the better team that day. And yes. like a week ago, if somebody said, yeah, Loyola's favored to win the Midwest at this point. We would have gone. Seriously? Yeah. Like, you know, like somebody might have been sarcastic and said, well, Sister Jean must be 100 years old by now. <laughs> She's not. She's 101. Yeah. Still going strong. <laughs> Joe, great stuff. Where can we find the book Bracketology, March Madness, College Basketball, and the Creation of a National Obsession? Where can we get it? Go online and Google Bracketology book. Okay. Triumph Books, Amazon Books. You could Google Lenardi book. Okay. Uh, Yeah, people seem to be finding it. So this is all good. Where can we find you on social media, Joe, before we get out of here? I'm at ESPN Lenardi on Twitter. Uh, I'm not tweeting as much here in the in in this little gap between games. I needed to take a few days off, but okay. we'll pick it up again in the Sweet 16. <laughs> Great stuff, Joe. Really appreciate you having you back on the show. Talk Thanks soon, man. We'll Thank see you, you next time. Yes, sir. Combo Nation, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate the continued support. Big shouts to Joe Lenardi for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Also, if you would like to become a Combos Court patron, I left a link in the description for that. I think there's two tiers. Check it out. One of those tiers, you'll actually get an exclusive Combos Court podcast, at least one episode per month. So, yeah, man, check that out. Be on the lookout for episode 253. Combo out.